Hello, this is Aaron Saft on the MR Running Pains podcast. With 30 years of running experience and 20 years of coaching, I thought it time to share with you things I've learned and people I've met so that you can try things for yourself and see if they help your running. Thanks for joining me. Wrote this song while crew and Aaron on a 100-mile foot race through the trails in the rain and mud. How about that? episode mr running pains podcast episode number 39 getting up there it's awesome um today's guest tori greaves is one of my athletes um and uh super proud of her um we started discussing this project for an fkt on uh pitchell which uh we'll talk about what that is and um, those that live in western north carolina probably already know but uh those of you that are not from our region we're going to talk about what it is and um, uh, what Tori did, um, but this FKT was was pretty amazing. Uh, her time was spectacular. Super proud of her. Um, very cool. Tori's a very humble and um, just awesome woman, and uh, couldn't be more stoked for. Her. Um, so we're going to go into her story and hear about what she did. Um, I'll save my story of Pitchell for for afterwards, um, and. Uh, 
uh, without further ado, I give you Tori Greaves. Well, hello, Tori, and welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on. Um, as I said in the intro, this is Tori Greaves that's uh, going to be talking to us today about her um, FKT on Pitchell. But um, I'm going to let uh, Tori take it away and tell us about herself. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Um, so my name is Tori Greaves, uh, 30 years old, uh, lived here in Asheville for about two years now. Um, and let's see, I, well, work-wise um, in my day job, um, I'm uh, head of R&D for a climate risk analytics startup, um, which is a mouthful, but basically what we do is climate modeling and financial analysis to quantify um, risks due to climate change now through 2100. So all of our work is focused on uh, looking ahead in, in the world <laughs> and what climate change might look like. Um, and then in terms of running, um, and my background there, uh, started running basically from as long as I can remember. Um, I started running with my dad. I basically, there was one day we were up in New Hampshire at my grandparents' house. I think I was about seven or eight years old. And my dad was going out for a run and I begged him to take me with him. <laughs> and he was like, you're only allowed to come with me if you can stay with me for the first mile. And I was like, okay. So <laughs> the way he tells it, he's never seen a kid be so determined. I just stared at his feet the whole time and made sure I was right with him for the full mile. <laughs> he was like, oh my gosh, this girl is crazy. She really loves running. Um, and the rest is kind of history there. Went on to run in high school and in college, D3, um, and then have kept at it ever since. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. <clears throat> when did you find trail running? Uh, that was actually back in um, 2014. Um, I had been living in New York City. I graduated college in 2012, had lived in New York City for a couple of years, and then uh, moved to Nepal to do a fellowship um, there. And that's when I started trail running, because that was really the only running that people did in Nepal. Um, I was living in Kathmandu. And I mean, they're, the foothills of the Himalayas are just all around Kathmandu. It's in a valley. Um, not too unlike Asheville, actually. It's a, kind of an oddly similar place in some ways um, in terms of the mountains and the valley. Um, and I just kind of got in with some running friends there. And on the weekends, we would just go on these amazing running adventures in the hills. And um, on clear days, like in the fall and in the spring, and basically when it's not monsoon, or in the winter, yeah. In the winter, especially, we would have these clear views of snow-capped like Himalayan mountains. And um, I just really, I think it was a good kind of switch for me from college and road running of just like not paying attention to your watch at all, just really taking in kind of the the scenery and being out in nature and, and being with other people who just love to run for the sake of running, not for any other reason. <laughs> Um, if you would tell the, tell the story that you told me yesterday about the, the 50 K. <laughs> oh yeah. So I ran my first 50 K. So that was when I first was like, Oh, people run longer than marathons. And there are these things called like, uh, ultras. <laughs> so I signed up for my first 50 K. Um, and it was, 
parts of it were just the steepest climbs I had ever experienced. Um, and I remember being in this like really exposed climb where we were going up a really steep hill and I was just, I was looking up and in Nepal, when you're running there, there's this rule of the road that you, if you can't see the top, you just have to walk because there's no way of knowing how steep it is or when it's going to end. So I was hiking up this hill and I was like, okay, they told me to hike. Like if I can't see the top, but it was so steep, literally so steep that I had to eat. I would eat a gummy bear and walk 10 steps and eat another gummy bear and walk another 10 steps. And that was how I made it up this like mile long climb was just gummy bear by gummy bear. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Um, You also uh, were in a 50 K and, um, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on her name, but Ian Corliss just wrote an article. I believe it was in Trail Running Magazine about her. Um, Mira Rai. Thank you. Yeah, she's such an incredible runner um, and such an amazing spirit. Yeah, I was fortunate enough to meet her at a few like running events. And uh, as I told you, mostly see her back just running (laughs) in most of the races. But she's just a force of nature, her whole story and that was like so um, common among Nepali runners that I found so amazing was just their, you know, coming from rather humble beginnings, no formal training, um, you know, for all the like gear and advanced foods and stuff that we eat, all this like technology, they're just eating dalbat like lentils and rice and going off and running amazing distances super fast. <laughs> I just found that so inspiring. It was really like just kind of stripping down to the basics um, and just seeing what your body can do, which was really uh, interesting to me. That's a great beginning for yourself as well. (laughs) Not many people can say that they've been, uh, you know, in Nepal and started their uh, trail running careers there. (laughs) That's pretty, pretty amazing. I know. Uh, (laughs) Pretty awesome. Yes. And um, your parents now, um, you you want to talk about where they are and (laughs) the opportunity you almost had this year. (laughs) Yeah. So my parents live in Hong Kong. Um, and I actually grew up there for five years myself as a young kid, ages four through nine. Um, my dad would actually say, and I think this is true that he was my original, original trail running inspiration because he, when I was about four or five years old, um, I remember watching him at the completion of a hundred K, um, mostly hike that he did with some friends, um, on one of the big trails in Hong Kong, but, um, yeah, amazing trails there. And, um, I was supposed to go this past spring to go visit them. Um, hadn't seen them in a while and I was just eyeing some races there and, um, trails cause the scene is really blown up and it's just amazing scenery. You know, you have these like huge cliffs dropping into the sea with city, like clumps of ur- really urban development here and there, but then also like vast open spaces, which I think most people don't think of when they think of Hong Kong as like a really, really dense city. Um, So yeah, it's a really fascinating place. And um, they've been there now 13 years this time around. Um, They've been back and forth a few times. (laughs) That's so cool. Very cool. And so up to, up to this point, what, what was, um, I'm sorry, prior to Pitchell, what was your longest distance? (laughs) So on the books, my longest was 50 miles, um, and that was Looking Glass. I first did in 2019, so a race down in Pisgah National Forest. Um, I did it also last year, but um, in 2019, I say on the books it was 50 miles because I got lost twice, and uh, 
definitely ended up running a few extra. So it was probably more around like 55 or so. But, um, only got credit for the 50. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Great. Um, and um, let's, let's, let's talk about Pitchell first um, and define it. So you know, can you give us the background of what is, what is Pitchell? Yeah, so Pitchell is a pretty crazy run, <laughs> I think. Um, so it starts at the top of Mount Pisgah. Um, right at the like uh, tower that's up there, the um, I guess radio tower, and um, then you run down the shut-in trail. It's all on the mountains to sea trail, but you run down the section known as shut-in um, till you kind of get to the French Broad River, um, and then you run through the valley, um, kind of through the Asheville kind of area, and then you go up through the craggies up to Mount Mitchell. Um, which is the highest point in the Eastern U.S., which is a really fun fact. <laughs> so it's about, uh, I don't know, depending on who you ask, it's, I think it's 62 miles. Some people say up to 69. <laughs> um, and I, I think it was about 14,000 feet of gain um, throughout the whole route. Right on. Very good. Um, and what what enticed you to want to do Pitchell? <laughs> Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so I'd originally talked to you about um, my kind of goal to run 100K this this fall, um, sort of hopefully with the aim of running a 100 miler uh, in 2021 next year when hopefully races are more back on and more of a thing. Um, so I was kind of eyeing different routes and we had talked about a few different options and, and things like that. Um, and I am fortunate to have a really awesome, you know, running community here in Nashville, as many people do, just great friends, um, amazing runners, like everyone's just an amazing athlete. And um, multiple people I knew were kind of talking about Pitchell or doing it, um, my friend Tara Jordan included. And it just became this like really, uh, I guess, enticing thing when I started running on the trail to see just how beautiful sections of it were. Um, and I've, I've run shut in before. So I really love that part of the trail. And I just thought like, it's so rare to get to do that long of a distance all on single track, basically on like really technical, beautiful, hard, heartbreaking, <laughs> uh, but beautiful trail. So it sort of just became this thing that I got a little fixated on. And then, uh, it just became kind of the only thing I wanted to do this fall and really build up towards. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, so as, as Tori's kind of alluded to, um, Tori and I have been working together as coach and athlete um, since earlier this year um, and trying to reestablish goals, <laughs> um, you know, as the year went on, as things were, you know, more and more canceled and seemed less and less likely. So um, this was uh, fantastic right up Tori's alley. Um, you know, it, it played to a lot of her strengths. And um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about about training and what you did. Um, so, um you know, you were, you were talking about Nepal when, and Nepal was, you know, just, you know, free form, go out, run, don't worry about the watch, which a lot of times I tell you guys, <laughs> don't worry about the watch. Don't worry about your pace. Don't worry about your heart rate. Don't worry about how you're feeling. We're going off effort. So, um, but what other things did we do differently that you weren't accustomed to in your training for Pitchell that you felt helps you prepare for it? <laughs> well, I don't know if you remember this, but the first time we talked, um, you were like, so I noticed that uh, you said that you don't do any workouts. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I haven't done a workout literally since college, I think, which was 2012. Um, 
So I had just totally fallen out of the practice of doing any sort of like deliberate structured workout. Um, And I think for me, I'd really fallen into that kind of, I think, pretty common mistake of like, I was used to running certain minute per mile paces in college. And so when I went out on my runs, I was like, all right, I'm exercising. I guess it should feel hard. And I'm just going to go out and run like, you know, my 730 pace, like I used to do all the time. Um, but that was like when I was running five K's and it was a different part of my life. (laughs) Um, so I think the biggest switch that we made was that you had me start doing actual workouts, um, and like really concentrating on, on those specific efforts of running harder, um, and being really deliberate about when you're stressing your body in certain ways. Um, and then the rest of the time I just ran a lot easier. Um, and I remember when we first started working together, I was like, guys, this is great. I'm, uh, running slower and I, I think I'm getting faster and <laughs> I got this amazing alchemy that's happening in my body. <laughs> uh, I know it's, it's funny that you run slower to get faster. I know. Um, you know, it's, it's <laughs> so funny, but, um, no, and I, I really enjoyed that. And, uh, you know, Tori was, was really great about, you know, just, asking questions and, you know, being, you know, is, am I doing this right? And you know, she was really intrigued by the process, which mm-hmm. I really enjoyed. Um, <clears throat> and then um, <laughs> what didn't you like about training? What, I mean, you know, we've gone from this kind of, you're just kind of hammering it out to, you know, really structured. I mean, I wouldn't say rigid, but, you know, a more structured program. Like w- was there aspects of it that you didn't like? I wouldn't say things that I didn't like, but things that it was a little harder for me to follow through on fully. Um, oh, this is like a confessional. This is not a good thing to admit to your coach on a podcast. Um, but I felt like um, because my my job tends to be pretty full on some days, um, especially when my volume was ramping up, it was the little things that started to slip away, like not doing all my tippy twists, not doing my <laughs> core stuff as much as I should be, my hip circuits. Um, and I really started to feel that. Um, as, so it was kind of a, I had to do some course correcting of like, okay, um, I need to like redouble down on those little things. Um, so I, it's not that I don't like those things. It's just like many people, I think it's, um, oh, yeah. It's the first thing to fall to the wayside. I, you know, I, I'm guilty too. I, I will, <laughs> I'll be the first to admit I am I'm guilty of it too. And I do, I have to refocus and say, all right, I need to wake up a half hour earlier and just get it done. You know, like, I mean, I just have to find the time. Otherwise I'm going to be injured. So I, you know, I, I don't fault you for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I do think one of the, um, this is not really answering your question, but one of the things I found most interesting about the training you had me do was um, when you would have me do hill repeats, I thought it was so fascinating that I would do, I was so used to just sprinting uphill on hill repeats. Like that's always what we did in college. You sprint up the hill, but you had me sprinting downhill quite a lot. Um, and, uh, I remember seeing that on the schedule sometimes and being like, what sprinting downhill like that doesn't seem like a workout, but man, I'll tell you at the end of pitchell, I was so glad <laughs> that you had me sprinting downhill so much because, my quads were ready for that. I mean, there's a lot, as much of there is uphill in Pitchell, there was a lot of really steep downhill, um, especially, you know, in the beginning and the end. Um, and that I thought was really cool. It's like, wow, Aaron really knew what, what <laughs> <he did. laughs> well, it was, it was learning my, on my part too. Um, 
And if James Brennan, if you're listening to this, um, you know, I learned a valuable lesson from, from him. <laughs> he did Western States and the amount of downhill, like he came out of um, kind of um, like the uh, Fairfax, Virginia area. So we didn't have a lot of vert to do, let alone a lot of like downhill stuff. But we were trying to prepare for as much uphill as we could just to get him going, but we didn't do much for the downhill stuff. And that's what got him. He finished Western States, but I mean, he, you know, he had a really hard time because his quads were just really trash. So, you know, it, it opened my eyes to say, well, you know, when we look at courses like Pitchell, for instance, that, yeah, we, we need to prepare the quads, but you can't do that all the time. You know, like that's, I mean, as you saw from the first few workouts, your, your quads do get really trashed. Yeah. So you can't do that all the time or else you're, you know, you're begging for injury. So we have to be quite, you know, cautious with how much we were doing, but I think we found a good balance and, you know, like it obviously paid off in the end. <laughs> so, um, do you think there was anything that we didn't do in training that you would say, you know, maybe we needed this? Mm. Well, my, my Achilles heel on the run was definitely the nutrition stuff, um, which I don't know. It was, I think there were a lot of circumstances of the day that kind of contributed to my stomach issues, but um, I think I'd kind of want to like rejigger my nutrition plan and just talk to you about that more. Cause I thought I had it figured out, but um, it's kind of a different story just when you're going that long and that hard, I think like all the stress on my body and the time, like starting so late at night, just these like weird factors that um, I didn't feel like I was fully prepared for, for my stomach wise. So, so maybe that's something, and maybe also running at night, maybe once or twice would have been a good idea um, for me just to like get used to that point. time of day. Yeah. Yeah. And anybody that does ultras knows that, you know, plan that worked for one race doesn't necessarily work for the rest, you know? So it's, it's, it's always evolving, uh, which is why we always say, have your A, B and C foods, you know, to, to you know, have your fallbacks, but we're going to talk about your nutrition because uh, that was a, you know, a part of the day that you had discussed was, you know, was a difficult part. So we are going to discuss that, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's always different and you're always trying to problem solve. So, but yeah. we'll get more into that. Yeah. So, and then running at the night, did you just feel, um, you didn't have enough practice with the headlamp or, uh, you know, or just, would you, what do you, what do you think there? Yeah, I think it was more just, um, kind of getting ready to run that late in the day. Um, I was, I think I was a little thrown off about exactly what time and what amount I should eat before I started, um, yeah. how to kind of like rest my body and feel really ready to do that after like working, you know, a full work day that day and things like that. I was just, I think I was just in a bit of a weird zone um, when I started off, but, but I don't really know. It's a little hard to like isolate out all those variables and figure out what actually happened. <laughs> Uh, well, thank God there's not many races that start at midnight. <laughs> uh, there is one that we, all, most of us well know is uh, Hellgate uh, starts at midnight. I, I told you my story about that one. So it's, it is an odd time to, to, to start anything. Um, you know, just uh, it, your body is just like wanting to go to bed. And um, so I, I understand that. Um, and, you know, for, for those that don't know the lore of, of Pitchell, um, 
usually the traditional pitch will start at midnight. And um, a lot of that reason is just so that you finish within um, Mount Mitchell State Park at a time where the park's still open so you can get out. Um, our, our friend Joe Quinlan that just did Archel, um, he unfortunately got into Mitchell when it was closed and they had to hike the road out after completing a hundred miles. He had to now hike from the summit out to give his brother's car, which was outside of the park, which is, I, w- I don't know what the road is like probably another, is it three miles out or something like that? I mean, the poor guy, it was, it was freezing out and oh gosh, I can't imagine, but, um, that's the reason why for the, the midnight start that everybody does it at midnight. So they can, you know, hopefully finish within the, a lot of time and get out of the park. Um, so, um, uh, anything else on training that you want to add or, you know, mention you good there? Um, I think just consistency was like such an important thing for me. Um, you and I had talked about this, uh, a while, a few months ago, but, um, I think in recent years, I just felt like I was always kind of cramming for the test, so to speak, when like I have a big run coming up. And I think the main, one of the main things that helped me with this pitchal run was just being consistent and having the schedule and like going out on those days when it was, you know, not nice out raining or when I was tired, just, and being consistent through all that, um, I think was one of the, the major contributors to me feeling like extra prepared and having my legs really show up for me <laughs> on the day. Yeah, yeah. And, and we, you know, we didn't really go for, for long runs, just so everybody knows yeah. your longest run was um, shut in out and back, um, you know, 50 K in essence, um, just so everybody's on the, the page that we are, um, you know, and you did that three weeks ago, right? It was, was it yeah. three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, three weeks prior to Pitchell, um, you know, she, she did her 50 K and that was her longest run. We did some back-to-back efforts, you know, um, but um, for the most part, uh, you know, like her average long run was, you know, somewhere between three and four hours. And we just consistently kind of did those and ebb and flow based on how much recovery you needed. But, you know, you know, for a hundred K or a hundred K plus, um, it was, uh, you know, you'd have a steady diet of, of, you know, moderate mileage. So, um, I, you know, I, I just want people to understand that you don't have to do such high volume, you know, in, in order to, to get across. Yeah, definitely. And, um, the other surprise, I think thing that uh, friends have been surprised to hear too, is that, um, you only had me running five days a week. I had two like full on rest days every single week. And, um, I think, you know, we're busy in life and there are other things going on and other stressors. I think that just kept me healthy and like kept me motivated and made the other days when I was like doing a little bit more, um, just seem a lot more manageable. And I was like, always, always generally, (laughs) generally excited, uh, to get out the door and go run. Um, and I think those rest days were a big part of that too. Good, good. I, you know, I, I think it's important just to stay uh, mentally fresh, you know, not only physically healthy, but mentally healthy. Um, you know, when we push seven days a week, it can drain on the person and, you know, people will lose motivation quite easily with training that much. Uh, but we made each of those five days, um, you know, really, uh, you know, we had basically two days of, of workouts, um, a long run, and then a moderate long run, and then kind of just like a regular run. So, I mean, each day had its value, you know, um, mm-hmm. where you know, if, if we have seven days, now we're talking, okay, are we throwing in, uh, there's an easy day, you know, like, so we made the most out of five days out of your training. And, and um, Emma, who finished um, Georgia Jewel, the 100 miler, um, and she was third female, she was the same five days a week, 
Um, you know, so that, that five days is, you know, it, it works for a lot of people. Um, you know, and I mean, there are those people that are like me and, you know, they just want to run all the time every day. <laughs> uh, but, um, but yeah, hey, good point. You know, five days a week, it was, it worked really well. Yeah. Um, and you were very organized in your preparation um, <laughs> with your, uh, your spreadsheets and, um, timetables and such. So, um, would you please, you know, explain how you, you came up with, uh, your, your spreadsheets, timesheets and, and all that. <laughs> yeah. I'm a spreadsheet nerd. I, I think that I just like to say that up front. Um, <laughs> yeah, for me, like in planning all this out, um, I knew I needed a lot of help from from my amazing friends and, and supporters and just like network here. So it was going to be a, like a fair number of people involved. So for their sake, almost, I wanted to like have a, a, a system in place so that everyone would know where they needed to be and, and what was going on. Um, but also in going after the FKT, I knew if I was going to do that, I wanted to understand sort of how I needed to break up the times for different segments and, um, also kind of map out what Alondra, who was the previous kind of record holder, um, how fast she had gone so that I could kind of gauge myself throughout. Um, so yes, there was a, a spreadsheet, there were multiple tabs, um, but it was really helpful, I think, too, for for myself and then for my pacers to kind of like sign up, so to speak, for different sections or just kind of plug themselves in where it made most sense for them um, and just helped us all kind of stay on the same page. And I actually looked back today and I saw that my friend Ellie had actually been filling it in as I was running with like my actual times. and things. So other people were, you know, I have some nerdy friends, too, who like... <laughs> That's great. Um, so, um, when in preparing those timesheets, did you have a laundress split? So, um, just to give credit where credit's due, the, the previous two, uh, we had, um, Marissa, uh, was, she just said it earlier this year. Um, and then, um, uh, Alondra Moody had just said it, um, last month. Was it last month? I think so. Yeah. Um, and, um, Alondra has brought it down to 1504, um, but, um, she had done it, uh, as you had described as a, a mixed, mixed pair. So she had, um, uh, men that ran with her the whole time. Um, but you were going after the, the female, um, uh, female supported FKT. <laughs> um, so, um, you had her times to, to kind of go by, you were looking at her splits. Yeah. Um, it took a fair amount of sleuthing and, um, you know, just to be clear, when I signed up to do the FKT originally, it was Marissa's time <laughs> that I was going after sixteen thirty. Right. And all of a sudden, when we, I remember talking to you on the phone, Aaron, and you were like, "Yeah, so just FYI, it's been uh, lowered significantly." <laughs> I was like, "Oh no, <laughs> I'm in for it now." Um, but yeah, the the beauty of having all this GPS data is that um, if you're willing to uh, do some sleuthing and do some math, you can kind of suss out roughly speaking, like how fast, um, people have done the different sections. So I did that with Alondra's kind of data, um, just went on the FKT website and, uh, looked at kind of mile, they have all the miles, you know, of course. And then, um, I sort of broke that up based on what I knew each section would roughly be mileage wise, um, to kind of see how she had, um, had done it. Um, but it was, you know, a little bit tricky because, 
um, that was her race. And I kind of wanted to run my own race, so to speak, um, that would play a little bit more to my strengths. And um, so I did have to end up adjusting her times a little bit. Um, so for example, I think she had gone down shutting quite fast um, and particularly done the the next section, which is a rolling kind of 12 miles um, pretty fast and and then gone a little bit slower on the the uphill climb, which is basically the last the last half is very kind of climby, very technical. Um, and I, I like the climbing stuff. Um, so I kind of felt like I wanted to have my legs a little bit fresher for that back half. So I wanted to maybe do um, shut in in that rolly section a little bit slower. So I kind of took her times and then tried to adapt them to um, how I thought my my legs would um, best perform and what would work for me. Right on. Um, so for those that know our area, Pitchell is kind of broken up into basically 250Ks. And um, as Tori just described it, um, the first section is basically, um, at, well, Typically what's done is you hike up to the summit of Mount Pisgah, which you described earlier, where there's an observation deck. Um, and that's your starting point. So you hike up there and the, the watch actually starts from the deck. And then you come down the deck, go through the parking lot and you hit the shut-in trail that brings you down to the French broad. You pick up the mountains to see. And uh, the rolling section that she just described takes you to the Folk Art Center. Now, the Folk Art Center is typically what we term the halfway point. So that's your first 50K. Um, and then from there you have the back half, which is just survival <laughs> to put it, to put it mildly because that the back half is very, very difficult. That's where you, you find most of your elevate, elevation gain is right in the back half. There really isn't much in that, that first half, um, which I thought was very smart of you to want to, you know, kind of save those legs for that back part because it, it is very demanding. Um, and, um, you know, thanks to a lot of the uh, maintainers, um, they do a tremendous job of, you know, kind of, beautifying and keeping that trail in, in great shape. Uh, you know, we were shut down until June and then, you know, once they reopened it, the uh, Carolina mountain club and its volunteers went out like, you know, gangbusters on that trail and weed whacking and, you know, just making sure that everything was clear and clean. Um, we just did shut in ourselves yesterday and, you know, I mean, it's just, it's in great condition. So, I mean, you know, thanks to, uh, thanks to all the volunteers uh, and the organizations that, that help maintain that trail. Um, cause it's, it's in good shape. So, um, did you find any sections that, you know, you were like, oh man, this is sketch. <laughs> was there, uh, was there anywhere that you're like, this was like tall grass or this was, you know, really super, you know, eroded or rocky, any of those sections? No, I, as you said, I think the trail is in really, really great shape. Um, the main thing I was worried about were leaves, um, just given the time of year and having deep leaves that, um, would make it a little more difficult. And, there were just a few pockets of those, mostly on shut-in um, going down in the very beginning. But um, otherwise, I felt like the trail was in amazing shape. And we actually noticed like from Craggy um, up to Mitchell, which is the last kind of 16 or 17-ish miles, um, it looked like there had been some trail work done really recently, even since I had last been out there like a month ago. So um, yeah, I was like kind of ooing and aahing at the trail conditions the whole way because it was it is really amazing. I mean, that trail is Ah, so what an amazing resource for us to have here. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think I did it. I have to look back. I think it was 2017, uh, but they had not done the, the work at Craggy just yet, uh, which the, you know, that Craggy section, um, it's still rocky. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that that's not a, a technical rocky, rocky section, but when, you know, when I did it, it was just like, 
felt like you're going through a boulder field. You're just like, Oh my gosh, it's, it's so slow going. So uh, they've definitely made it, you know, so much, so much better for, for, you know, people, you know, going through. So um, super cool. Um, all right. So um, talk about um, where was your mind? You know, it's, it's, it's midnight. <laughs> you're standing on top of Mount Pisgah. Uh, where was your mind? What were you thinking? Uh, it was pretty magical being up there at midnight. Um, to be honest, I was really sort of dreading that, um, that hike up because I just thought like, wow, we're going to get there, you know, drive all the way up the parkway. I was with my friend, John, who's going to pace me, um, and Nick, my boyfriend, who was kind of crewing the whole way. And I was just, I was really dreading that, that hike up because it just seems so unnecessary. You know, it's a mile and a half. You get no credit for it. Um, it's late at night. It's just like, I thought I would be restless about it, but um, it was really, it was a very clear night. We had clear view of the stars, the Milky Way. Um, we saw two shooting stars up there. Um, and then you see all the twinkling lights of Asheville below and the surrounding area. Um, so I just, it was really magical. And once I was up there, I actually just thought like, oh, I'm really pumped for this. And I felt really energized. Um, like a few hours before I got really, I was really tired, but in that moment of being up there, I was just like, wow, we're about to embark on this amazing journey and, and who hikes at midnight. And, uh, like I've done that before, but, um, there are some really beautiful things about being out there so late when there's, it's so dark and you just get to see kind of a different perspective on the place you live and, and where you're going. Yep. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, it, wouldn't it be great if we could, you know, start all events with just that gratitude and appreciation, you know, uh, and not just like dread, like, what am I about to do? <laughs> How's it going to go? You know, you just, you, you live in the moment. Um, that's, that's a, you know, that's beautiful. Cause that's, you know, that's the way pitch should be. It's just, you know, an adventure. And I think you, you, you took it right, the right mindset to start. So that's awesome. Um, so, you, let's get into the nutrition part of this. You had kind of talked about earlier that, um, you know, that was a, a, a big thing that, that played, a, you know, almost a detrimental part. To, um, and bless you. <laughs> um, the, uh, so, um, um, you know, uh, what, let's just go over what was your nutritional plan? What were you planning to do? So... Um, my original plan, uh, in my spreadsheet, my, uh, carefully thought out spreadsheet was to try to get in like roughly 250 or so calories an hour, um, which I thought would be like, you know, getting a decent amount in and then, and that was all like carried with me kind of food. Um, and then, at certain aid stops along the way, um, have kind of more substantive food, like, um, peanut butter and jelly sandwich, um, uh, hash browns, just things that I would be excited about eating at different points. Um, and before I started, um, I had this brilliant idea to eat. We recently got a waffle maker. So I was very excited about making waffles and I'm a big waffle person. And I was like, Oh, amazing. I'll, I'll like at eight o'clock, I'll make waffles. They'll be delicious. I'll have avocado. It's going to be great. Um, and honestly, the waffles may have been my downfall. I'm not yet sure, but, um, as soon as I started running, I was like, oh no, <laughs> my stomach does not feel good. Um, oh. And it just kind of went downhill from there. 
when when did you um, eat prior to the run? Um, so yeah, prior to starting, so I did this little, I tried to nap for like two and a half hours. I got up and I thought, oh, this was my other like brilliant plan. I was like, I'll pretend it's a brand new day and I'll get up, I'll shower, I'll make coffee, I'll brush my teeth, I'll eat waffles, I'll like make it like a breakfast situation. Um, so I did do all that, but I think I was a little bit overzealous with the waffles and a little bit like too keen on getting in lots of calories because I think I might have eaten a little too much in my excitement. <laughs> <laughs> so prior to the start eating too much. Yeah. Um, how, how close to the start did you eat? Um, like four hours before. Okay. Okay. That, I mean, you know, that, that should have been okay, but God knows with the stomach, you know, it also can be that you were up, you know, and it was midnight and, <laughs> um, but, um, so, you know, obviously stomachs, you know, been, you know, an issue early. Um, how did you deal with it? What did you do? Yeah. So basically I started going down shut in with John and pretty early on, um, I was just like feeling not so great, kind of uncomfortable in my stomach. And then um, it actually ended up cramping a bunch, like the muscles in my stomach. And um, eventually I just felt like I couldn't really eat anything without feeling super nauseous. And nothing in my pack was really like appealing to me at that time. Um, so, but the thing I did notice was that when I slowed down, I kind of had to walk to just get anything down and make it feel like a little more comfortable. So I basically ended up kind of slowing down every time I needed to get some actual like full packet of baby food down or eat a like, there's a theme here, waffles, um, eat like a honey stinger waffle <laughs> um, or something like that. I would slow to a walk and that helped me at least get it down and not feel so nauseous and kind of the nausea would kind of uh, subside and then I'd start running again. Um, and I really doubled down on my, um, my liquid. So I had scratch in both of my bottles that I was using. Um, so I just figured, you know, that's still feeling good. Um, I want to be drinking enough. So um, I'll just kind of double down on drinking all the scratch and, um, you know, get some calories that way. But um, really the slowing down was the main thing that helped. Okay. Right on. Um, so let's talk, let's talk gear for a minute. Um, what's a, what were you using? What you talk, you said you had a pack. So what kind of pack were you using? Um, so I was using the um, Solomon advanced skin eight, I think pack. Um, which I've actually recently got before I was using just kind of a, it was an ultimate direction, which I love, but more of a backpack that I felt like all the weight was kind of on my back and it would make my shoulders a little more sore. Um, so I really liked the Solomon one because it just like didn't bounce around as much. And I felt like the weight was in the front of my body, which is the direction I want to be going. So that seemed to work a little and bit better. That was the women's specific one. Uh, yeah. The, the teal. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, so you're using the two bottles up front, which, you know, went pretty well. Um, what were your shoes of choice? Um, Hoka Torrents. Yeah. I'm a big Torrent fan. Yeah. They felt pretty good throughout. Yeah, they did. I honestly had no foot problems whatsoever. Um, and I'm a toe soccer, you know, not everyone likes the toe socks, but, um, I know they look weird. They feel amazing. So they work the whole time. Just great. Good. Uh, what headlamp were you using? So I actually used a waist light, um, the Ultraspire 600 lumen one. And if there is one thing I could recommend 
from this whole experience, it would be that waist light. It was amazing. It basically created like an orb of daylight ahead of me while I was running and I could see shadows. Even my pacers were like, oh, we're just using your light. <laughs> it's amazing. Yes. I, I use the waist light in combination with the headlight. That way, if I turn my head, I still have the, you know, I can look and see what's off to my left, but I still have the beam ahead of me so that I can, you know, see still out of the corner of my eye, I can see what's in front of me. So I, I like having both, but um, I'm, yeah, I'm a big believer in the the waist belt or um, you know, the Kogala because you can use the Kogala and hook it kind of every which way or so. Um, but yeah, I, I have the Ultra Aspire as well too, but um, good call. <laughs> um, and then um, how did the weather turn out? Um, was the weather, um, you know, pretty, pretty consistent throughout temperature changes? What did you find? Yeah. Um, it was kind of neat when we started out. I mean, it was absolutely gorgeous weather, very clear. Um, there was a really neat inversion going on in the Valley. So it actually, when we were right by the river was the coldest part of the whole day for me, um, because of that inversion. So that was kind of neat to experience. Um, I was in a t-shirt the whole time. Um, you know, even from, we started at Mount Pisgah, I was wearing long sleeves. And then by the time we got down that mile or so, I was like, okay, off with it. Um, I'm on now. <laughs> I just stayed short sleeves the whole time. And um, yeah, so the weather was absolutely gorgeous. And then as the day kind of wore on, it got it up into like 60s, 70s, clear blue skies, um, just absolutely breathtaking out there. It was amazing. Same thing on, on Mitchell? Yes. And um, I had this little kind of bet going with um, my friend Tara, whom I mentioned before. Um, we had run up there twice that craggy to Mitchell section in recent months and both times. And I'd never been to Mitchell before I, that, that time. So this was just my third time being up there. And both times that we had gone prior, it was all clouded in and I couldn't see a thing. And I just felt like, Oh man, I mean, it's still a very cool trail, but I'm missing out on all the views. And she was like, you know, I bet when you're going for your FKT, you're going to have clear views. And sure enough, <laughs> I looked out and just saw all the mountains. It's just, is so incredible up there. Yes, it, it is. I, I have a, um, a picture I took. Uh, I think we were doing trail work for Hellbender one time. And um, there's a sign on the parkway. If you go past the entrance road for Mitchell, it says view of Mitchell. <laughs> and it was all socked out. It was like you know, just complete fog. And I was like, that is perfect because that is Mitchell. It's, you know, it's like, it's, it can, it can be, you know, beautiful one minute. And then, you know, 15 minutes later, it's completely socked in. So uh, I'm glad you had a, a great view. That's fantastic. Uh, me too. <laughs> um, so, um, you know, uh, you, you kind of talked about, um, you know, you came down, um, shut in, uh, you, you felt like you were moving pretty good. Um, the rolling section still feeling okay, aside from the stomach, you know, later yeah. in the um, the rolling section, I, that was the point where I had thoughts like I might need to drop actually. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, because I was feeling stomach was feeling so bad and it's so runnable there that, you know, we were moving pretty well, pretty quickly. Um, I was with, um, my friends, Tom and Sean at that point, still very dark. So didn't have like the benefit of seeing the sunrise yet or getting energized by that. And that was the moment. I think really the only moment during the whole run when I was like, not sure that I was going to make it all the way to Mount Mitchell. Um, but 
made it through that section, fortunately, with them just kind of encouraging me on the whole time. Um, and I kind of even had this little thought, like, oh, I'll just get to the Folk Art Center and then, you know, maybe I'll call it at that point. Um, but yeah, things just change. That's like the the whole spirit of ultras. You know, you never know yeah. what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally. No, that's fantastic. Um, what would you say changed when you got to Folk Art? Um, was it just your stomach group? It was better or just, you know, your friends around you. What do you think? Yeah, I think a couple things. Um, well, and also I should mention I was 25 minutes behind my time, um, by the time I got to folk art. So, you know, things had gone pretty well down shut, but in that rolly section, I kind of lost a bunch of time cause I, had, I had to keep walk, stopping to walk to eat still during that time, even though it was really flat, which was kind of frustrating. Um, but I got to folk art and honestly, I was really excited to hike. They were like, okay, steep part coming up. And I was like, yes, all I want to do is walk. (laughs) Um, and I then picked up two new pacers, Sophie and Rachel, um, and they were just like bubbling with energy. And I think I just really fed off of that. I also had a lot of Coke, Coca Cola, um, (laughs) which definitely like, yeah, man, so sugary and, uh, caffeinated. So I think those things, um, really helped. And we just started walking and they were kind of like, they just put on a, it felt like a little podcast. They were just like telling jokes and talking between them and just so energetic. And that just really motivated me. Um, and then the sun started coming up, which was amazing. Um, so that was really motivating too. Just like, okay, there's, it's a new day. (laughs) Um, yeah. (laughs) That's great. Awesome. Um, so where did they take you to? What, what what junction did they take you to? So they did that like roughly five mile section from folk art up to um, Craven. And, um, and yeah, so my friend Sophie lives right near there. So she knew, it seemed like she was like friends with every rock and root on that trail. She knew every turn. She, she was just, like, a spirit guide of that trail. Um, and then we got up to Craven and that's where I picked up my friend Barbara, um, who's also a tour de force of energy. Um <laughs> So things really kind of turned at that point and, and they got a little better. <laughs> awesome. That's great. Uh, and then, so, uh, let's see, so that was Craven. So then you go through Rattlesnake Lodge, that area. Yeah. With, with Barbara and through, um, is that Pinnacle? Yeah. Uh, through, yeah. Through Lane uh, Pinnacle. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that section, it was kind of interesting because so at Craven, I think at Craven, I was, oh yeah, I was 30 minutes behind when I got there. And, um, and I think Barbara being like the just cheerleader and like amazing person she is knew that she, she really wanted to like keep me going and keep me moving quickly to that section. Um, and we actually ended up coming in almost an hour ahead of my time by the time I got to Craggy, um, so I made up just a ton of time in that section and she was just yeah. telling stories and, and kind of, um, Oh, she said that she would give me two options and I didn't even realize that she was doing this. Um, cause I was still having the stomach issues and, you know, not feeling great. Um, but she would say, okay, uh, we can't continue at this pace. So your two options are you can either hike faster or you can run. And, <laughs> especially on flat, I'm actually not a very fast walker at all. Um, so I was like, well, I don't really like walking fast. So running will be better. And that's kind of how she just got me to run a lot more than I kind of want to do. Awesome. Where did Barbara take you to? Uh, she took me to Craggy, uh, to Craggy Gardens, the picnic area. 
Okay. And then who picked you up there? Uh, so there I met up with Sarah Molstness and Ellie Johnston. Um, and then Barbara continued with us to Glassmine, uh, Glassmine Falls. So yeah, some more amazing pacer, strong, strong women uh, carrying me to the finish. <laughs> That's awesome. That's fantastic. So you had company the entire time, which is really cool. Um, I'm sure that's, you know, uh, uh, great for the, the mind um, <laughs> and the body <laughs> to have people with you. That's fantastic. Um, so, um, and then the, um, man, I mean, the final climb, let's, let's talk about that. Um, well, uh, I don't know how many people that are listening to this have ever been up Mitchell, but any of the climbs that go up to Mitchell are just brutal. Um, so you now you're you're going up your final climb. What's going through your head? Uh, you mean that Camp Alice trail? Yes, <laughs> that uh, Camp Alice trail. <laughs> so um, it's funny because I very recently paced Tara um, for this particular section, and I remember getting to this point with her and just feeling myself like on pretty fresh legs, like oh, it's just one mile to the finish. Like this is great. Um, and I remember at the time Tara saying oh my God, this is not ending. Like, please make it end. Um, and so this time, uh, Tara actually, who had been crewing me the whole day, ended up running with me for that last section too. Um, and so she was the one who was like, okay, Tori, one more mile. And you start hiking up and it's just brutal. It's just so steep. And um, I remember Sarah saying, okay, we have like 36 minutes to make it to the top. And you think like, okay, one mile, 36 minutes. Should be no problem. But then I looked at my watch and we were going like 31 minute per mile pace. <laughs> um, and it was just like, oh crap, I don't know if we're going to make it. But um, it was just really at that point, like one foot in front of the other. I couldn't talk at this point because I, I think I was just so depleted and, um, and just really following friends and just, um, I'd actually visualize that turn that you do when you get to the top of Camp Alice, you turn right. On, when it hits concrete and pavement to go to the top. I probably visualized that during workouts and runs like a thousand times. Um, so I just kept trying to like visualize that turn and like how great it was going to feel to do that one turn and just go up that last little bit to the top of Mitchell. <laughs> right. Oh man. Um, so you hit that turn, there's the pavement, you're on your way up, you know, but describe those last few moments it was honestly so surreal. Um, just started uh, like hiking up and then broke into a run. So I was like, okay, got to finish strong. Just got to get there. Really want to stop running. Um, and I remember getting there. And the first thing I remember is uh, Sarah and Tara, like being like, stop your watch, stop your watch. Don't forget. <laughs> um, uh -huh. That was like mission critical number one. Um, and then and then Tara said, look at the view. There's a view. And I remember looking around and then I just burst into tears, crying, <laughs> sobbing, because um, it was so amazingly beautiful. And a bunch of my friends who had been with me through at various points throughout the day all came back to Mitchell to see me finish. Um, so so many supporters there, um, these people that I have trained with that are such good friends, um, had given so much to me in this journey and were there. And it was just, it felt like such a collective like success moment um, that we had all done that together really. And um, it was pretty cute. All the, like there was a bunch of tourists up there cause it was such a beautiful day and people started applauding. 
one woman actually asked me to take my photo, which I thought was really cute because I was like, oh, I'm not famous or anything. Don't worry. <laughs> my photo is probably somewhere now in India or something. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Um, you do have a great collection of, of friends and, um, you know, people that have done this, um, you know, that you, you had so many good people around you. That's, that's the way to do it, you know? Um, so I'm so glad that they were all there for your finish because it's a you know, well-deserved celebration, you know, that's, that's tremendous. Um, so, you know, as you were just saying, a lot of people are attempting pitchel now that's mm-hmm. become something of kind of more of a norm, uh, where people are going out and, and doing this on their own. Um, any good resources that you might say, you know, here's here's something good that you could look at to, to get a little bit more data, you know, for your run or your attempt? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I definitely think the FKT website is great because you can kind of see the route and, um, you know, nerd out on other people's times and, and <laughs> how they kind of uh, broke up the pacing and all that, um, as I did. So that's helpful, but kind of only up to a point. Like I actually found it a little bit tricky to even figure out um, what, how I should actually um, plan out each section. Um, so really the best thing was just getting out on each section of the trail, even though I didn't see, you know, 100% of all the miles, um, at least getting a feel for each section so that I knew like, okay, this is a more runnable section or um, that latter part is going to be, you know, around Lane Pinnacle area is just, that's also very steep before you even get to Craggy. Um, so just seeing those different parts um, was, I think the best thing of just doing that kind of on the ground um, uh, research, if you will, <laughs> while I was running. Um, and then I think just talking to people, um, you know, I, I would love to share my spreadsheet and make that useful to someone else if they were interested in it. Um, but I think you know, I had Tara had done it. And then John Ibach, my friend had, had gone for the um, male supported FKT um, very recently. So um, I also asked him for like his spreadsheets and, and his information of how he had um, attempted it and tackled it. Um, so just really talking to people was one of the, one of the best things to do. Nice. Um, the the uh, Carolina Mountain Club also has a uh, Mountains to Sea profile book. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, uh, it's available through their website. Um, I think it's carolinamountainclub.org. Um, and they, like in that they have, um, a lot of descriptions of the sections, um, elevation profiles, distances, etc. Um, so, um, another good resource, but, um, any advice, any other advice that you might give people, um, you know, so far as, um, crewing advice or, you know, accessibility, um, you know, what, whatever you can think of anything. Um, definitely this kind this time of year, November gets a little tricky, a little dicey with, uh, the weather in particular. So I had a bit of a scare because the parkway was closed, um, up until Thursday. So two days before I started running, um, because of some ice. So that's definitely something to look out for. Um, I just happened to have someone mention to me like, Hey, you might want to check out the parkway, (laughs) um, before I headed out. So I was really grateful that someone had mentioned that because it was not on my radar. Um, but in general, the parkway is awesome for crewing because there are so many accessible spots, um, so many places to see people, um, which really kind of is motivating. So um, it's really great from a, from a crewing perspective. Um, I guess the last thing would be just like, keep something in the tank for that last section for sure, because 
it's hard to explain like from Walker Knob that climb to before you even get to Camp Alice in the last like, you know, eight or so miles. Um, or I'm, I can't remember how far away it was, but um, that climb, it's gorgeous. I mean, it's a forest with moss and, and fir trees and it smells like Christmas and it's beautiful, but it is so brutal, that whole climb. And it lasts forever seemingly. So um, just definitely leaving some in the tank for those last climbs. Absolutely. Yes. And those that, um, you know, potentially don't want to necessarily tackle a hundred K that last 50 K, if you want to try an ultra uh, that last 50 K from Folkart to Mitchell is a challenge in its own right. So, um, you know, by all means, you know, if you, if you're not up for the distance, but you still want to challenge that, that, that back half is, is a great 50 K to try to tackle. Um, so, um, Tori, I know you just finished. We are recording this on Monday evening and you finished on Saturday. Um, so she is completely fresh off her finish. Um, but, uh, you know, as a runner, we always have the mindset of, of what's next. Um, do you have anything in mind? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I will say as, as tough as the hundred K was, um, I kind of had mixed feelings in the last section of that, like, uh, I'm not so sure I want to do a hundred miles that, that 62 seems like quite enough, but also my legs felt good, uh, which seems like a really weird thing to say. Um, but they really did feel strong at the end. Um, so it kind of made me curious to try something longer, um, and just <laughs> see how I can completely exhaust myself, I guess. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, am still curious about the hundred miler, um, in 2021, but, um, yeah, I, I think I need to kind of sit on it too and let this marinate a bit because it, it kind of seems like this weekend was a dream. Um, <laughs> I keep wondering if it really happened. <laughs> <laughs> it did. <laughs> uh, well, Tori, I really sincerely thank you for, for sharing your story. Congratulations. That's a, I mean, a beautiful FKT. Tell everybody, you know, what was your final time? Uh, 14 hours, 52 minutes. That's uh, so stellar. That's amazing. Uh, 14 hours and 52 minutes. Uh, just a, a great, you know, I can't wait to, to see that up on the FKT board. So congratulations on that. Um, if people were to want to reach out or follow you, um, you know, where, where can they do so? Yeah. Um, good question. Um, well, you can reach me on uh, Strava, I guess, Facebook. Mm-hmm. Wherever you're comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on Instagram as well, or yeah, feel free to just email me too. Um, my Tori.greaves at gmail.com. Um, yeah, I would love to hear from anyone, especially if any women out there who are interested in taking on this route and, and going below my FKT, like that would be truly awesome to hear from someone who is interested in doing that. So, um, yeah, I'd be happy to share everything I know and all my lessons learned, no waffles beforehand. (laughs) (laughs) Or any any females or or even males that are just interested in doing it, you know that like there's such a, a wealth of, of resources here in Western North Carolina. As more and more people, uh, you know, continue to do this uh, this route, um, we should thank uh, Mr. Adam Hill for for coming up with this in the first place. Um, you know, a tribute to him for his uh, his creativity and doing this route. So um, we thank him for that. Um, a tip of the hat, of course, to the uh, previous record holders. Um, you know, uh, we should always give our respect to them as well. So um, congratulations to them for their their uh, respective efforts. And to you, once again, congratulations, ma'am. And- <laughs> thanks so much, Aaron, and thanks so much for having me on. This was really fun. 
Well, once again, congratulations to Tori on an amazing run on Pitchell. 1452 for a new female-supported FKT. Just phenomenal. Um, I had a ton of athletes um, this past weekend do so many awesome things. I posted on uh, uh, my Facebook MR Running Pains coaching page. Just so many athletes doing so many cool things. Um, you know, This coming weekend, I have uh, a husband and wife combination that are is doing um, our rendition of Archel. Um, as I talked about a few weeks ago, my good friend Joe Quinlan ran Archel in, uh, in his vision, and um, I came out with a slightly longer route, um, which uh, you actually complete the Art Loeb Trail prior to running uh, to Mount Pisgah and then running Pitchell. So uh, they're going to attempt that this weekend. It's going to be roughly 120 miles uh, and just an insane amount of climbing. So um, I wish the best to Mark and Laura Rollins in their epic adventure. Uh, I'm going to be supporting them Friday night. Um, and uh, it's just been been great, you know, seeing all these people do all these amazing things and, and being a part of the uh, crewing and pacing of, of all of these uh, amazing races and, and, uh, and runs. Uh, this past weekend, uh, Friday, I paced a good friend. She was running um, 40 miles, the first time she'd ever uh, tried to tackle that uh, that distance, and uh, she was just crushing it. Uh, we ran dirt road up and over some good climbs, and she managed to average 737 pace with me for 12 miles on, on my section, so she just absolutely obliterated it. And then um, one of my good friends and athletes, Abby Harris, she was going for a new distance record, which she achieved a 50-mile finish. Um, you know, here in in Western North Carolina, I got to go out and run with her. I ended up getting about 25 miles in, and uh, then the following day, Sunday, I ran with uh, my best friend David Workman, and uh, we did the shut-in trail. Um, and Dave ran 2:46. I just ran with him and made sure he got to the end and. What an awesome run that was. Uh, so congratulations to all those guys. Like I said, lots going on, lots going on. Um, my newsletter is coming out. Um, kind of wait for inspiration um, to for some of the articles and such. And uh, Shutting gave me that inspiration as well as some of these other adventures that I've been doing with these other folks. So um, I'm going to work on that. So uh, the newsletter should release um, probably either... Um, maybe even before you get to hear this. So um, you can find my newsletters. All of them are archived on uh, the contact page of my uh, of my website, mrrunningpains.com, as well as all the episodes um, that uh, that I've, I've done for the podcast. So all of those are archived under the contact page on mrrunningpains.com. You can subscribe to the newsletter on there. Um, follow me on Facebook, mrrunningpainscoaching. Um, I also have my personal page, Aaron Saf, which I post a lot of my running on. Um, Strava, uh, it's been great. People asking questions on Strava, love it, appreciate that. Um, you know, what am I doing? Um, yeah, if you look on Strava, I've been doing um, Lydiard Hill Drills. So I'm in a four-week cycle of doing these plyometric hill drills and building strength, um, you know, for the uh, the musculoskeletal system. And uh, it's it's been great. Um, yeah, I felt really strong and, and shut in and, and all these other little things that I'm doing. Um, going to race the, uh, hopefully to race the Duncan Ridge Trail uh, 50K next weekend. Looks like I have some good competition. Should be pretty fun. Uh, it's about 10,000 feet of gain. So uh, excited for that challenge. 
And then my son and I are running December 12th uh, at the Pilot Mountain um, Goat. <laughs> yeah, Pilot Mountain Goat, that's what it's called. He's doing the three-mile run, and I'm going to do the seven-mile run. So um, got a good bout of, of climbing coming up. And then uh, I head to South Mountains and running the 50K in January. Um, so just getting my distance legs together. Obviously, I'm, I'm focusing on Cocodona 250 next May. Um, from what Air Viper Running says, it looks like it's going to happen. So pretty stoked about that. And um, man, just uh, just really cool stuff coming on. So uh, like again, follow me on uh, on Facebook. Uh, I'm also on Instagram, MR Running Pains. Uh, Strava is Aaron Saft, MR Running Pains. Uh, YouTube channel. I haven't posted anything there um, too recently, uh, but I will be working on a few new things uh, coming up here. Just trying to get through uh, some some busy times here with with other things, other projects going on right now. So um, you know, stay tuned for those. Um, and uh, you know, I promised I'd, I'd talk a little bit about my own pitchel adventure. Um, I did it a few years ago. It is on Strava. If you look back, uh, you search mine. You can search uh, pitchel. Um, I did it on July 4th and I think it was 2000, might've been 17 that I did it. Um, and I just did it as a, a training run, just kind of a adventure. Um, wanted to, to do it myself. Um, I did do the, the, uh, midnight start. I started again with my best friend, uh, David Workman and another buddy, Jason Bodner. Uh, we started at the top of, uh, Pisgah and they ran me down to the French broad, which is, uh, roughly about 17 miles into the run. And, uh, it was just so great, uh, being out, you know, having fun with them, just talking and, and making our way down the mountain, no rush, no pressure, just, uh, just enjoying the, the time together. We got down to the river and, uh, I had, uh, kind of a drop bag down there and, uh, grabbed, uh, and refueled for what, um, Tori was calling the rolling section, which, uh, takes you about another 13 miles to the folk art center I was alone through there, which was totally fine. Um, you know, it's just moving along pretty well. Um, it's definitely a very runnable section. So, um, just kind of clipped along, listened to some music and enjoyed that time. I got to the folk art center and my family was supposed to meet me there. Um, they weren't quite there. So I had to wait for them, uh, which again was totally fine. I wasn't in a rush, uh, but they brought some, uh, some breakfast, which was awesome. We had, uh, uh, some <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts together. Uh, so, uh, we had some some, uh, wraps and, and stuff like that. And just kind of enjoyed, uh, having a cup of coffee and, and breakfast with my family again, you know, just uh, spent a lot of time there and, and just catching up with them, telling them about the night and what was, you know, what was going on. We had seen a, a, a bear and it was, it was pretty fun just to kind of catch up with them and see my kids, um, you know, kind of got me, uh, got me juiced up again. And then I, I started making my way from the folk art center and, um, my good buddy who I talked about earlier doing, uh, who did Archel, uh, Joe Quinlan, he came down, uh, and met me, um, kind of near Cravens, which, um, um, Tori had talked about and, uh, you know, we, he just met me on the trail. He was coming from the other direction. So, we ran together and, and Joe was just naming off all of the peaks that we were hitting and pointing out other peaks that we could see along the way and the views. And, uh, we just, we stopped, took some pictures and, and really enjoyed it at a craggy. We definitely stopped and went to the, uh, the viewing area and we, we looked all the way back to Pisgah and it's, it's kind of remarkable to, uh, to look back and kind of see where you came from and then look ahead as to where you're going. It's, yeah, man, what a, I, you know, I remember it so vividly. It was just, um, really amazing, amazing just to, 
kind of take it all in and just be like, wow, you know, like on foot, I just traversed that. And, um, that's, that's pretty epic. So that was a, that was a neat part of the run. Um, and then Joe, um, Joe had to get back once we hit craggy, which was, uh, was great to have his company from there. So, um, I proceeded from craggy and, uh, as I talked about with Tori at the time, the footing was um, a little bit rough. It was very slow going. And my wife always makes fun of that point because, you know, on the parkway, it's, it's only like probably a mile to the, uh, to the overlook where they had parked, but it's about four miles of just rough, rough footing. So it just took me forever to get through it. And, uh, for some reason I didn't have enough fuel and I got to the, uh, the first overlook, which they were actually at the, the next one. And I was just completely bonked out, uh, laid out in the grass. My wife recounts that I was asleep. Um, cause I, I texted her. I was like, you got to come back. <laughs> I need some food to go on. So she came back and, uh, I think I had, uh, two PB and J sandwiches and some, uh, some snacks and, uh, refueled. Cause I was just, I was tanking. It was too funny. Um, but, uh, got myself together and, and kept moving. And then, uh, uh, just before Walker knob, um, one of the, uh, one of the other, uh, pacers, one of my friends, um, Evan came back and, uh, and found me and we ran, uh, uh, from, you know, from where he picked me up all the way to, to Mitchell, but, uh, the greatest thing, and you know what Tori had talked about with that last climb, is my son actually came down um, the Alice Springs Trail and uh, and found me, uh, and and you know ran with me, well hiked with me <laughs> all the way up, uh, which just made that climb so much better and so much funner. Uh, I mean, man, it was just. It was great. You know, my daughter met me when I hit the pavement and we all kind of just trucked up to the, uh, the summit together. Uh, my wife still has the video and, um, you know, we had, uh, we didn't have the greatest view like Tori described. Uh, we had some, some clouds, but there were some windows where we could see out. And, uh, you know, I just remember looking out and kind of shivering a little bit, even though it was July 4th, it's just, uh, you know, your body had just gone through a lot. So, uh, it was, uh, it was a tremendous 4th of July, a tremendous experience. And, uh, you know, I, I definitely covet that experience and that, that run. Um, you know, I, I totally respect the, uh, the current FKT Sean Pope has, uh, which is just over 12 hours. Um, you know, I, uh, I don't know. It's, uh, I know Jonathan Ibach just went after it and missed it by about 20 minutes. Um, so who knows sometime in the future, maybe we'll see what, what we can run just to, you know, go after it in, in earnest, but, um, it's just a, a great route. Um, you know, just, a what a, what an epic run. So, um, and as we said, you know, if, if you're, if you're kind of, um, intimidated by the, uh, the overall, uh, distance or, you know, elevation gain, um, you know, you, you can split that into two parts. Um, the first being from Pisca to folk art, it's great 50 K. Um, and then, uh, the second being from folk art to Mitchell, that's the, that's the harder of the two, obviously a lot more elevation gain there, but, and you can break it down even further, um, do it sectionally, uh, and just kind of scout it out, see what it's like. That back half is just amazing. Um, when, you know, most people know the shut in section, um, and the rolling section, like I said, it's just, uh, it's an easy, there's not many views on the rolling section. It's that back half. That's just, you know, phenomenal and amazing. But, um, either way, Pitchell is an amazing thing. Congratulations, Tori, on your finish on your new FKT. Um, so excited. <laughs> I can't wait to see what's next for her. Uh, and, uh, anyway, um, well, we're, uh, I'm trying to get another, um, 
person that just finished her first 100 miler um, on the podcast. Um, uh, we had a few athletes that just completed the, uh, the rim to river in West Virginia, a first time event. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think she has a lot to share. So I'd like to, uh, to bring her on as a, a future guest and talk to her about what she experienced, what she learned, um, you know, what, what we went through in training, um, just the, uh, you know, the mental parts of it, physical and everything. So, um, and uh, potentially we can even get her crew chief on, uh, Nathan Lehman, who's a, a well-known ultra runner in his own right, and owns the uh, ultra running company in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, love to have the two of them on, and we can just talk. That would be a pretty sweet episode. So see if we can make that happen. Um, so until next time, my friends, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you would, please uh, rate, review, share, um, all of those things. It, it really does uh, get the word out um, and, and spread the, the podcast. And I uh, hope you learned something. That's kind of the point of this is, uh, you know, going through um, trials and tribulations and learning from them. So we all don't make the same mistakes and potentially learn from, from others. Okay, so I will talk to you next week, my friends. Until then, run on.